This is episode 104 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eli. Welcome back, listeners. Andrew and I, Andrew, we have the privilege. It, it, this, could be, this could be an historic moment. We are Our first ever. Oh, we are recording from the Georgias. We are recording from the Georgias. Andrew, you are in the American Georgia? Yes. The, the state. state of Georgia, the city of Hotlanta. Is it hot there today? Um, it's always hot in the summer. <laughs> yep. And, and and humid. And I'm recording in the capital, Tbilisi, of the country of Georgia, Republic of Georgia. Nice. I mean, so there, there the, probably we, we, is some other podcast that is recorded between the two Georges, but it's it, it could be a first. It could be, and we don't have to give the disclaimer. I always have to give a disclaimer now when I'm talking to people about Georgia because they're really confused which Georgia I'm talking about. Yeah, it's understandable. So we're not confused, though. We are um, just charging right along. Borders do not stop caucus talk. That's right. That's right. Now, speaking of caucus talk, Eli, uh, we have, I don't know if it's a rival. Is it a name rival? I think you and I have different views on this. <laughs> we definitely do. You go ahead. Just, just um, start with a softer, gentler approach. I was, uh, I don't know if I was looking our podcast up in the iTunes store or <laughs> just to enjoy seeing which, it there one more time, which has happened before. <laughs> uh, may, I probably was looking for what other content podcast content are people putting out about the Caucasus in English. And lo and behold, lo I, and find, behold. I find another podcast called, are you ready for this listeners? Caucasus talks. Andrew, I got to know. Before we get into what this podcast is, did you roll? Did you or did you not roll your eyes at this moment? Because Andrew and I had had a, a hearty conversation about the name of our own podcast when we started it, and obviously there was one side that said, "You know, you're in the caucuses, and so you should say the word caucuses because just caucus for caucus talk right. isn't isn't a word, like isn't a thing. I mean, it's a political thing, but." And and then the other side, my side, the winning side, said <laughs> it's true. Caucasus is more accurate, but it doesn't flow. Saying Caucasus talk just gets stuck in your throat, and Caucasus well, talk just pops right out. And this one is Caucasus talks. It's got two extra it's, s's. It's, it's, they're they're so in the, a league of their own. So there is another <laughs> podcast out there called Caucasus <laughs> Talk. So I've got the phone in my hand, calling a lawyer. <laughs> and Andrew, he's like, hey, yeah, I listened to them. They're really good. I was like, but, but, what do you mean they're really good? <laughs> you were not be able to see beyond the name. What, but what, hey. What did you find out about him, Andrew? Because it's actually, it's actually very cool. No, I was fascinated. Um, and so these guys are, they're based in the South Caucasus. So um, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Armenia. And it's uh, local people from those republics talking in English about those republics. So this is this is the thing about it. It's actually a very apt name. Their whole point is that they have these three nations, Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Georgia, 
by the way, all of which were founded when they were founded in which city, Andrew? Oh, um, I would guess, wow, Tbilisi? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting history. Each of those nations was all huh. founded in the same place. But anyway, so so if there's a lot of complexity and in many cases division. So their whole point is very similar to what we're doing, but in a, a slightly different angle, is let's get people together and talk. Yeah, yeah. So in, yeah, in contrast to two outsiders coming in and talking about <laughs> the place, they are insiders, they are locals, talk, talking through their own kind of struggles. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, the um, amount of content they've already put out and like the depth they're hitting – I really commend them for it. So it I, I will a, say yeah, I have not listened. Level. I have not really listened to it yet, but I've looked at the stuff they've put out. It's really great. So maybe we'll cross paths with them one day. Yeah. So um, even though I was ready to, you know, draw a line and like throw down a gauntlet yeah. and be like, "We challenge you, Caucasus talks to a podcast duel." Um, actually getting to to know what they're doing, I think it's not only very different from what we're doing, but I think it's really needed and very cool. So we commend you. And um, they've also got a blog. They've got like articles. They've got scholars working on stuff. It's it's a fairly big undertaking. So yeah, yeah, hats that's off. great. Um, well, good stuff. So check that out if you want. I will say they are not in the Apple Store. Uh, if you have an iPhone, I haven't been able to download it in that app, but they're on Spotify and, yeah. and have a website and all that. This is true. So. Speaking of borders, we have other news, which is that as of the 1st of July, the borders to Russia have been flung open to yes. us Yankees. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Hey. Um, United States citizens. But yeah, no, that's exciting news. Um, Obviously, both our families are hoping to get back there and um, be back there in the North Caucasus recording live from Hachkala. That's right. Live from Pitigorsk. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's encouraging. And then for any of you who, um, you know, we always end our podcast saying, we'll see you when you get there. You can get there now, technically. The borders are back open. We know people who've done it. They're issuing visas. So it's happening. So uh, as my kids would say, uh, game on. Game on. Well, Eli, uh, this episode today, I have to say, I can't believe we never thought of it ourselves. A great (laughs) suggestion from one of our new listeners, Brecken from Texas. Um, Yeah, great suggestion. But we are going to talk about a year of holidays in the North Caucasus. Right under our noses, just sitting there literally every week, a new holiday. Um, <laughs> We're not exaggerating. Hey, Andrew, before we leave that, Brecken is a new listener. And I feel like this year we've gotten a lot of new listeners who've come through the digital space. Um, it's probably high time for us to give some shout outs and some greetings and thanks and welcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. These are just five off the top of my head that have been interacting with us by email, Facebook. Um, shout out to Brecken from Texas, a recent graduate of Texas Tech University. Uh, yeah, Juan Manuel, who is of the Basque ethnicity from France. Juan, he, he, 
has redefined email for me. <laughs> no, one, if you're listening, you write in the most ethereal and kind of poetic and aphoristic yes. style. It's really interesting. You just, you got to experience one to know. But uh, Yeah, but Juan Manuel, like he has drawn a lot of kind of historic uh, similarities and parallels among Caucasus peoples with his own nationality and their history in France and Spain. Um, Virag from Hungary, huge Facebook supporter. Amazing. Um, hearing from her a lot. We have Alessandro from Italy who lives in Eastern Europe. He's been in touch a lot, which has been great. He, Eli, he sent me on Facebook. He was in Kiev, Ukraine recently, and he found a kind of memorial slash bust slash statue dedicated to Imam Shamil. In what in country? A, in, in Kiev, Ukraine. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, so That's almost as surprising as uh, we did a re-release last week of an old episode in which we featured sister cities. And do you remember what city, what city in the U.S. has a bust of Imam Shamil, Andrew? I oh is it Spokane? It's yeah, in Washington. Yeah, baby, Spokane, yeah. Washington. So we know, now we got Spokane and Kiev. Yeah, yeah. With um, busts of Imam Shamil. So cool. And then uh, last but not least, uh, Matt from uh, Wisconsin uh, reached out to us this year, and um, he's uh, a mountain climber, um, and he's kind of developing an initiative of climbing the west, kind of most remote part of uh, I mean, route of Elbrus. This is pretty fascinating. We've got five countries, U.S., Italy, Hungary, France, and Texas, all represented in, from, from listeners this last year. And I, and I did mean that, Texas. Five countries. <laughs> yeah. Um, so really cool, really cool stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Um, please reach out um, if we haven't heard from you. We love your feedback. And uh, this episode today, shout out, it's, it's because of Brecken. So let's dive in. One of the first things you notice if you do a, a live a calendar year in Russia period is <laughs> you realize there are lots of holidays that are celebrated. Relentless. Um, but when you live in the North Caucasus, it is a whole nother level. One more evidence that the word nother should be a word. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so um there are so many layers of holidays that are celebrated in Russia and in the North Caucasus. And a lot of them kind of give insight into the local cultures and nationalities. So we're going to really do a deep dive into that today. Let's do it. Or maybe we're just touching on the surface. I'm not I sure. I actually think we're touching on the surface. You have to. I mean, there are, there are upward of 50, 60 holidays that we've listed here. And we're not going to talk about every single one, but um, there are a lot. Yeah, so if, listeners, if you heard that, uh, you heard him right. 50 or 60 holidays we kind of have listed out. Here, let's break it down in a couple of categories just so people can have a framework for what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think first, when you think about holidays, you kind of think about countrywide federal, right? There's there's days off. Everybody celebrates these. So we have that category. These which are the is days Russia-wide. when the post office is closed. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, our, our standard. Um, so federal, countrywide, uh, then religious is a big one. Huge. Um, and so in Russia proper, you think like Christian Orthodox, at which those are celebrated in different parts of the Caucasus, but uh, Muslim holidays are a big one. And then also uh, there are, 
I mean, for lack of a better word, like pagan holidays celebrated among sure. some of the different right. nationalities. Tradi- traditional religious holidays, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have, I would call them historic, which mm. are either connected to religion or a tradition. The post office is open on these days, right. but th- they are still celebrated kind of informally throughout the country. Um, regional, this is a huge one that we're getting into the, you know, there's all these nationalities in the region, 45 to 50, they say, mm-hmm. and many of them, some republics have their own holidays, but then each nationality has specific holidays, right. which I mean, that that's one we just can't get to the full depths of, but we're going to talk about. Sure. And that's pretty um, interesting stuff. Yeah. And then probably the last one, I mean, there's just in general, big celebrations. Several of my friends, as we kind of researched this, told me weddings really are a holiday of their own <laughs> in the Caucasus. That's a good um, point. Yeah. Um, obviously, people celebrate birthdays. But yeah, so that, those that's kind of the categories yeah. we're going to dive into here. I just want to reflect for a second on the importance of holidays. You know, it's kind of, I, to me, it's become a little bit uh, humorous when it seems like every now, pretty often, someone in America will say, "Oh, did you know that this month is National Fill in the Blank Month?" And right. it's you know, it can be something serious. It can be something having to do with social justice. It can be something to do with food. Like this is National Donut Month, and in honor of <laughs> da da da. And you're like, okay, but those the question comes up: says who? Yeah, and holidays are a big question of says who, which point to political kind of power structures, cultural currents, and I think where people are oriented. I think it's a helpful way to see, in some ways, like where is a community facing. A lot of them are very historical, grounding, kind of back to your roots focused, and the people yeah. and people celebrate those, and others are going to be focused outwardly, kind of globally. Um, so you can kind of, I think, use use holidays as a little bit of a of a um, framework or a compass to orient um, what's happening in a community. Yeah, that's good. Um, and you know, Eli, interestingly enough, you bring that up. One of my takeaways in learning about all the holidays in Russia uh, for this episode was, oh, they have a month and day for almost everything too. <laughs> uh, just, just like has happened in recent years in the United States. Um, so I think for context sake, uh, in the Soviet union, um, you know, really there was kind of top down, um, it, you know, the state was kind of the highest power acknowledged power, right? Um, it's, it's well known in history that religious faith was not encouraged, whatever the faith was. Right. And so there was a lot less holidays to be celebrated then, but they were really celebrated those that were. And since the Soviet union fell apart and Russia became its own country, the number of holidays has exploded. There's been a lot of new federal holidays that have been instituted in Russia. Those kind of regional ones have come back strong. Um, the religious holidays are celebrated much more strongly now. And even like, you know, kind of imported ones like Valentine's day, for example, even is starting to pick up steam in Russia. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, we talked about even going through a calendar year, but there's just too many to cover. <laughs> <laughs> you think we talk fast already. 
I, I think that's a really good point, Andrew, because um, I, I think holidays can be an expression of self-identification, self-kind of definition and assertion, saying like, this is what we do, and when we're free, when we're left to ourselves, this is how w- what we care about. And they they kind of create boundaries and kind of in and out markers in a sense. So, uh, for example, I'll give two examples. When growing up, I went to a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs. Those are Jewish coming of age ceremonies. I myself am not Jewish, but I went to a high school that had probably middle and high school probably thirty percent Jewish. So, huh. so kids were bar and bat mitzvah all the time around age twelve, thirteen. And I had friends every day after school or throughout the week they would go to Hebrew school from a certain age on, from like fifth grade on. And for several years, they would go to Hebrew school to learn um, like Hebrew, like biblical Hebrew so they could read their the reading for their celebration. Um, yeah, right. And, it, you know, it was a leveler. It was like the nerdy kids, the cool kids, like they were all stuck in Hebrew school. And then you wow. have this huge uh, party, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, and um, – then I moved out to the Northwest to where my wife uh-huh. is from. And out there, there don't have barn bat mitzvahs like at all. I mean, obviously right. if yeah. they're Jewish people, they, but I, I didn't meet any Jewish people in the town where she's from. But huh. what I did hear about and what she grew up exposed to were quinceañeras. Do you know what That's a quinceañera is? No, all right, I don't. So here we go. So this is her, her hometown is, has a high, um, like over 50% Latino, mostly immigrant because of the agricultural work. And so there's a high huh. number of Spanish speakers. And this is quince, quince, or quince, quince, I think it's, how you say. it's 15. And this is a 15 year old coming out, coming of age party for girls. Quinceanera. Uh. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I was like, uh, what's, what's that? And they're all like, you don't know what that is. But, <laughs> but so it's sort of like a boundary around, or that a sort of a, uh, that def- kind of demarcates this community, right? It's like, right. Oh, this is what, yes. what we do. And if you're not socially connected to that, then you don't know what it is and you've never been to one. So I feel like this is really what you just said when the Soviet Union was no longer dictating from top down what's what, then you have an explosion, a profusion of individual right. expression. Yeah, that's great. Uh, now that you say that, we had, uh, before we moved to Russia, some of our next door neighbors were from Ecuador. And I remember for their daughter when they had the quinceanera, uh, kind of the age 15 party. That was yeah. new for me. So good stuff. Uh, well, let's, why don't we start wide and then we'll really go deep into the Caucasus ones. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning some of the big federal ones. We won't get into all of them, but I mentioned here, uh, what I think are the big three in Russia and in the Caucasus uh, general, these are the ones that they really affect daily life the most. And we've mentioned all of them at different points in the Caucasus, but they are uh, New Year's, which stretches uh, to about 10 days called the January holidays. Then uh, May 1st and May 9th, uh, which is the end of World War II, Labor Day and the end of World War II, which is called the May holidays, also yep. about a 10-day stretch. And then uh, those are Russia-wide, but then Ramadan, which is a month long, which is kind of the uh, Islamic holy month uh, for Muslims, which really affects daily life throughout the Caucasus. So uh, what would you kind of throw out there about those holidays in your experience, Eli? 
I would say that they cross every well, except for Ramadan. The, certainly, the first two are celebrated by everyone everywhere. Now, that's generalization, but I would say that those are not super localized. Like, right? They're not only ethnic Russians or something like that. It's like everybody, everybody celebrates those. Yeah, and those are. Um that you do see in certain parts of the Caucasus where sometimes the more uh, religious a family is, I've had multiple people tell me the only holidays we celebrate are the two main um, Islamic holidays. Um, but still, they kind of reap the benefits of the January, May holidays because people aren't working. They get time off. They can travel if they want, et cetera. Um, so yeah, yeah. May, May 9th is a huge, it's one of the biggest holidays in Russia. It's celebrates the end of world war two. Well, I think what connects people to that is that everyone is connected to the, was connected to the war. So whether the, from, from Chechnya or from Moscow or from Vladivostok, like people had loved ones who fought and died in the war. So it affects everyone. In fact, I remember one of our first visits to the mountains in Kirchacherkesia, it was Teberda, which is just a town before Dombai, the famous resort town. And it was in May. We went there and we're visiting and is this tiny, quiet little town, you know, cows in the street. And we hear this noise and we go outside and look outside our gate and on the road, there's nothing, there's no one on the road. There's no houses like... But coming down the road is a May 9th parade. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, there was no one to spectate. It was like the parade for the sake of itself. So uh, that, that impressed me. Yeah. Um, May, so May 9th is Victory Day. New Year's is a huge deal in the country. Um, we're going to follow back up with Ramadan because r- religious holidays are big ones. Um, a couple other big federal holidays. Um March 8th, International Women's Day, that is a huge deal in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an international holiday, but huge deal in Russia. Um, and then even, you know, these are not holidays per se, but these are days that are marked every year on the same day. Uh, September 1st is the first day of school mm-hmm. across the country, and that is like a huge celebratory day. Um, and then May 31st, it's called the final bell. Pasledny um, Zvonok. Uh, but that's, that's the last day of school every year. Those are kind of big celebrated days across the country. Andrew, I'll have to tell the story sometime of how I got roped into a, <laughs> a public dance routine with like 13 <laughs> moms from the, my son's first grade class <laughs> in during the September holidays, which I thought was going to happen in a public place, but didn't realize it was going to happen <laughs> in front of the collected the total collected population of all first graders and their families, which was like thousands of people with, <laughs> with TV crews in, in the center of Pitygorsk. That's for another time, but September holidays are pretty big too. Yeah. The opening Eli, of school is pretty big. You cannot bring that up without getting this viral, <laughs> this video on YouTube immediately. <laughs> that, that was an amazing oh. foreigner in Russia experience you had. For sure. Um, man, that's awesome. I've got some stories, but I don't know if any of them top that one. I was a little, I was a little, uh, blindsided by that. Let's go on. We have a lot of holidays. To okay. cover. We'll talk about my yeah. dance career later. 
<laughs> That's right. So why don't we move to religious because those span the entirety of the North Caucasus. Yes. Um, and then we'll get deeper into more specific regional ones. Um, so obviously, um, actually, let's start with Christian holidays okay. and then we'll dive deeper into Muslim ones. So um, Christian holidays are celebrated, obviously, throughout Russia. Russia is a uh, Orthodox country historically. Um, and then, so Russians live throughout the North Caucasus in each Republic, uh, and, uh, different Caucasus nationalities, um, would say that they are Christian. So that would be Ossetians, um, Abhazians would, even though they're not technically in the North Caucasus, they're kind of an independent territory, but they are a Caucasus nationality. Yep. Um, all the South or two of the South Caucasus nations, Armenians and Georgians. And there's a lot of Armenians in the North Caucasus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just find throughout the republics, some, uh, small Christian gatherings or fellowships or churches as well. So, right. um, obviously the two big Christian holidays are Christmas and Easter. Um, in Russia. So in the West, uh, because of the religious calendar, December 25th is Christmas. Um, but in Russia, they celebrate, I think it's the Julian calendar. Is that right? The Orthodox calendar? That sounds good. Yeah, I always I always get that We're mixed Gregorian, up, but, there's something else. Julian, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, uh, I might have messed that up. But January 7th is when Christmas is celebrated in Russia. Um, and then uh, Easter is a big deal. I, w- I would say Easter is a lot more important than Christmas in, in Russia totally. as far as... Yes, celebration-wise. So I don't know enough about this to say that this was intentional, but what seems to have happened, I mean, coming from America where Christmas is one of the big holidays, a huge buildup, everything is decorated, you know, they're playing Christmas songs and the grocery stores, like you can't get away from it and it's the most wonderful time of the year and all that stuff. To come to Russia where Christmas is very narrowly a religious observation. Like people go to church on Christmas, light candles. I don't even know what all is entailed in, but it is not at all a, a cultural celebration uh, countrywide. And a lot of the trappings of Christmas or similar type things, trees, tinsels, gifts, um, a Santa Claus figure, he happens to have a daughter figure made out of snow um, in the Russian version. That is all shifted into New Year's and is detached from any Christmas or religious connection. So everybody can celebrate um, a Father Father Winter character coming and giving presents um, without it being a Christmas thing. So that was very disorienting for us, our first Christmas. and well, we had to kind of figure that out and like, do we skip class when we're in university on the 25th? Cause that's our Christmas or do we? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Um, and the kids too are like, well, what's going to happen? Is Santa coming down a chimney or is, or is father winter going to come to the door? And we don't have a chimney because <laughs> we live in an apartment. We're like, guys, it's, he's got it. What, what did you do for that? Andrew, what do you do for the chimney question? Um, Chimney question. Or do your well, kids our, do your kids not have those questions? Our our uh, six year old called us out this year uh, that she she knew uh, Santa wasn't real. Um, so all those questions just went out the table immediate off the table immediately. <laughs> can can I say that our our ten year old has not said that to us yet? Ah. Um. 
So keep this away from curious ears. We we cracked the window. European windows have a handle where you can turn it to the side and and swing the window open, or you can close uh-huh. it and turn the handle all the way up, and it just the top tilts back a few inches to sort of ventilate. So that was our our solution. And I don't remember this, but my wife tells me that I can't give any details, but she said that in the morning there was a, a boot print, like a muddy boot print on the windowsill. <laughs> and I don't have any recollection of that, but that seems over the top to me. Nice. But anyway. Yeah, so Christmas, um, Easter, also the Orthodox Church celebrates a different day. It's usually in the month of April uh, from uh, the West. So Easter is celebrated. Um, and then this, is, this one is one that was new to me, but it's called Epiphany Day, which sure. is celebrated every January 19th. And um, in the Orthodox Church, uh, that's the day c- celebrating Jesus' baptism. Uh, now, I have a funny story about this because um, I have never, ever heard one Russian person relate that day to Jesus's baptism. Um, it's kind of just like a day on the calendar and it's a day that people jump in frozen lakes. Um, and it's, it's viewed the way it's been explained to me by pretty much everyone is like, this is a day. It's kind of like a new start. You can get like, uh, forgiveness of your sins. Uh, and the way that they do that is by across the country, jumping in a frozen lake, uh, and they'll kind of go up and down three times. Um, so my first year in Pitigorsk, um, I got to know um, a Russian guy, and he invited me over and a friend for what I now know as Epiphany Day, but I had no idea of like any of the significance of it, um, even of like its history in the Orthodox Church. But I actually did the thing. I jumped <gasps> in the frozen lake. It was so cold that night. Um, but like went through the ritual and, um, yeah, but that, that is a, um, a a fun memory I have of a, apparently now I know it was a religious holiday that I partook in. Wow. (laughs) Um, that's interesting. I think I've, I've associated epiphany with the visit of the Magi to, well, in the, so in my researching of this, yeah, in the West, that's what's associated with. In the East, uh, it's with Jesus' baptism. That's right. That's why we don't do it in the West. We would otherwise. I mean, we would, but uh, we jump in a frozen <laughs> lake. Yeah, that's true. Every time about that time of year, some headline shows the president of Russia marching stalwartly into frozen into a frozen lake and coming out the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are some of the, the Christian holidays celebrated. Now, the Muslim ones, this is a big category um, because throughout the North Caucasus, these are really, I was going to say they're celebrated religiously, which (laughs) makes sense. But, um, um. yeah. Um, But there are, so we'll start with the big two. There are traditionally in uh, traditional Islam, there's two primary holidays. Uh, They are Ramadan, which is a full month. And the Arabic term that you'll hear people say is Eid al-Fitr. Um, and then the second one is Qurban Bayram, which the Arabic term is Eid al-Adha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and those refer, if I'm right, to the actual feasts, whereas Ramadan's a whole month, then it ends with Eid al-Fitr, which, which is sort of a, a, 
a, a night or three three nights of or even a week of of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Ramadan's a big one. Uh talk about affecting regular life. Like those who observe are not eating or drinking from sunrise to sunset every day for 30 days. Um, so and then most of them are awake all night. Um they're eating food. They often are gathering every night, whether it's at uh, the local mosques or just with their families. Um, so they'll often be up most of the night. The women will be cooking a lot of the night in the homes for the gatherings. And then people will crash for long periods of the day uh, because they were up all night. Often uh, workplaces will have shorter hours in certain places in the Caucasus during Ramadan. and. Understandably so, because people are weaker, they're more tired. If they're not drinking anything, right. you know, they don't have the capacity they normally do. And, and you mean that could be taken multiple ways. That means not taking in fluids, not not drinking water. Does, yeah, yeah I mean, it doesn't about. mean not drinking alcohol, which is also included. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Um, yeah, so Ramadan is a big one. Andrew, um, let and, me ask you. Um, sure. In Pitigorsk, which is a majority is it a majority russian city well uh it's very mixed yeah, for sure for sure russian there's a lot of armenians but Ar- armenians, is the largest caucuses and yeah, yeah and russians um what effects do you see there how is how does ramadan play out in a city like that you don't um you really don't see it much on the streets there is a mosque in pitigorsk um but yeah, I would say yeah, it's it's not as noticeable there. And do yeah. workplaces or you were in the university for a couple of years? Have you noticed any acknowledgement or allowance for it there, or is it just sort of a non-issue? Well, I think people are respectful towards those who are observing, but sure, yeah, where it's not the like primary religion in the city or region, it yeah, it, you don't notice the effects of it as much. Um, yeah. So Ramadan, the dates change every year for both these holidays because those are on based on, uh, the Islamic kind of lunar calendar. Uh, essentially they move up like a week every year. That's my observation. Um, yeah. So this year Ramadan was like approximately mid April through mid May. And, uh, Corbin Bayram was just recently celebrated, uh, in late July. Um, yeah, so Ramadan's the holy month. That's when, uh, Muslims believe that, uh, the, uh, basically God told the prophet Muhammad to set this month aside. And this was specifically when the holy, uh, book, the Quran was revealed to him. So that's, what's kind of, they're acknowledging people kind of recommit themselves to their faith, um, kind of try to abstain from vices, et cetera. Um, so that's a huge one. And then the Korban Bayram, probably a lot of you haven't heard of that. That's kind of the second major Muslim holiday. Um, that is kind of like a two-day deal. Um, yeah. And this is when uh, Muslims are acknowledging uh, when uh, God saved one of Abraham's son, sons from being sacrificed and provided a lamb in his place. Um, so that, that story is shared. It's a common story among the Muslim, Christian, and Jewish faith. Uh, from scriptures, there are some like discrepancies sometimes on the actual details of the story, but in general, it's shared and acknowledged. 
Um, and that holiday, my the main thing I've noticed how that's observed is um, a lamb typically, or lots of lambs throughout the region uh, are slaughtered, and then the meat typically is distributed to family yes. members, uh, to poor in the community. Um, that's really the outworking I've seen of that one uh, in the region. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I would say for these these Muslim holidays, which, of course, one's aware of, and when we were living in Pitigorsk, uh, had some exposure to directly, but by moving eastward in the Caucasus, I may have said this when we moved, but it really felt like a different country, in part because holidays like this were are society-wide. They do change the entire city because it's a Muslim majority. In Mahachkala, for example, it's Muslim majority. And so uh, it does shut down daily life. And yep. you know, people all go to their families for, for these holidays and are talking about it and texting and you know it's there there are banners in the streets and it's much more like living in an officially you know a muslim society even though it's not officially um islamic rather um right. you know when we talk about uh easter being big in the christian calendar and for russians with a lot of celebrating um one thing I learned in Dagestan is that the end of Ramadan is their biggest time of the year. Yeah. They have days of celebration. They have days where uh, mosques are all wide open to the public. Anyone who wants can come in. There's food all, all day, all night. There's a celebrating, a celebratory atmosphere. And people go house to house and give gifts, and children get gifts. It's very much like sort of Christmas, Halloween, um, yes. all packed into three days. And what made that poignant was that we were, um, we were there and we we're all quarantined. Um, and in uh, fact, yeah. in fact, they, the day that Eid al-Fitr started – the government created uh, like basically shut down the roads because they, they, they wanted to quarantine and they knew that locals were not going to voluntarily do that. It was just too big of a holiday, but they felt they needed to Um, this. I remember this because it was the day that we were going to the airport um, or as the day after we were going to the airport and we wouldn't have been able to get there the following day. Um, but it wow. was real. I just remember the sadness of our friends. Like this is the biggest. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and it's shut down right now. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I think a lot of people, one way or another, experienced something like that this Absolutely. past year. I, you know, you saying that reminds me. I didn't even. I'd be remiss to say, like, you know, we talked about the meaning of the Muslim holidays. Uh, maybe not everyone knows, but like the Christian holidays, Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, and then. Easter is celebrating the resurrection uh, from the dead of Jesus Christ. And that was a really, you said the word poignant kind of word, but we were quarantined during Easter in 2020 in Russia. And it was really sad for me not to be able to celebrate Easter uh, with other people right. who who celebrate that. You know, I was, I was definitely really bummed about that. So you're right. That was a, that was a hard thing last year in the Caucasus that people couldn't celebrate the end of Ramadan together. 
Yeah. Um, you know, a, a local one, I've got to experience those, the celebration after Ramadan, like you mentioned, in Ingushetia in Chechnya. It's called Marhaj. Um, and it's basically three days in the republics where every home is wide open. Um, people are visiting all their relatives. It's basically three crazy days. <laughs> from, from my understanding, most of the men are traveling around the first two days seeing everyone. And then the last day, the women get to travel around and see everyone. Um, but uh, uh, fun fact about Ingushetia, I don't know if Chechnya is this way, but those are the three days of the year that suitors, men, can go to any home they want and get to know uh, a girl they're interested in and her family. Wow. Yeah. And so it's just known in the Republic, this is the time of year you kind of get out there and you can do it appropriately. And oh. like, yeah, it's culturally appropriate and acceptable then. So that is one thing that's happening as well. Man, that makes me want to get onto the, some of those local, more localized holidays. But we have another category to, to hit on here. Yeah, well, there's two uh, there's two other uh, Muslim ones that multiple folks mentioned to me. I think we should talk about now. Uh, one is Navruz by Ram, and then another is Ashura. Uh, so, can you speak to those a little? Because I think those are mainly celebrated in Dagestan. And yeah, what what can you tell us about those, Eli? I, I can say a, a little. I don't. I'm sure I can be corrected on this. My impression of Nowruz is so it's a Persian holiday, and it's essentially Persian New Year. I don't know that it's Muslim per se, but rather just that it exists in Muslim majority regions, like gotcha. yeah, Iran up to this like Southwest Asia in Pakistan, Afghanistan, parts of India. So huh. um, I, I don't really. I don't, I don't really know if that is, I don't believe it's connected religiously, um, but okay. it's uh, celebrated with lights and candles and probably and some other things and um, strike that. I just confused it with Diwali, which is an Indian holiday. So I don't, I don't know a lot about how Nauru's is celebrated. Um, I would say okay. we did not see much of that in where we are in Dagestan, but Mahachkala is Northern and a lot of, uh, Southern Dagestani peoples are more connected you know, with Persian, gotcha. w- with that Persian influence. Yeah. Okay. And then Ashura is one often that articles are written about it every year, but this is for those of you who don't know, kind of the main, uh, stream of Islam It's called Sunni Islam. And then the second largest uh, minority kind of stream is uh, Shia or Shiite Islam. And Ashura is celebrated by Shiite Muslims. And specifically in the North Caucasus, that would be uh, Azeris who live uh, in the Derbent region in southern Dagestan. So right. um, that holiday, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, there, It's basically days of mourning commemorating, uh, remembering um the death or martyrdom of the grandson of the prophet Muhammad Hussein, who is a really important figure to them. Um, And so I know throughout the kind of Shiite Muslim world that's celebrated. And I think Derbent is the main place where that's kind of commemorated every year. That sounds right. Again, that was not something I saw much of during our time in, in Dagestan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then as in kind of the religious category, um, because the Caucasus is like it is and it's fascinating and so diverse, there also are um, basically what you could call pagan holidays. And these could be 
wrapped into the um, regional category, but the place you'll see this the most is in North Ossetia. Um, Ossetians um, have, uh, they would say, kind of their own pagan Ossetian religion. Uh, now it's kind of a mixture with Orthodox Christianity. Um, but they, from what I understand, uh, there are 12 kind of uh, historic deities in the Ossetian language. And they're, each one of them is a patron of their own holiday every year. Um, uh, there are certain holy places in Assetia. Some are in the lowlands, some are in the mountains. Um, but th- those days are commemorated every year. Um, often it's with feasts and foods, kind of offering certain prayers for certain things. Um, and North Assetia would be the main place you find that. I know in Abhazia, there would be kind of their own set of holidays. And then it it seems like throughout the rest of the region, Dagestan would be where you find the rest of these, which maybe could be a good transition for us. Can you tell us about this Tarangelos that you found out about? Yeah, so um, I was talking to one of my Ossetian friends, actually. Um, Georgi is his name. And he said there's three, there are more than three holy places there kind of that people go and offer prayers or sacrifices to. But the three main ones he told me are Rekum, Tarangelos, and then Makalgabalta. I hope I said that right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he said basically the legend is that um, when the founder of the Ossetian nation uh, was killed, I don't know the background of that story, uh, but or Batrad, it's something like that was his name. Um, basically, the legend is it made God so sad that he cried three tears, and the places where those tears dropped on the earth were where these holy places uh, came into existence. Rekom, Mikal, Gabirta, and Tara Angelos. Wow. Um, yeah, so I really don't know a lot of background uh, to that, but in North Ossetia, those are definitely a part of kind of the annual holiday calendar. And I have a vague memory that our Ossetian guests whom we interviewed may have referenced this story. Maybe. Yeah. I, I know the number three is a big, is a big thing in Ossetia. They often have the three pies stacked on top of each other. It's very yeah, symbolic. Right. Um, yeah, and then Eli, you've got a whole smattering of Dagestani regional ones we could talk about. So why don't you uh, take us into that? Well, this is just going to be a flyover because I, first of all, I have not personally been to any of these, um, unfortunately, and but I have researched them a bit, and and so I could have a lot of this wrong, and someone who's local might say, well that used to be or whatever. But there are some pretty interesting Dagestani. And I, again, what I don't really know is how much of this is perceived as kind of a cultural traditional, how much is uh, traditional religious. And I know that some people accept and embrace these, some reject them. And so that stuff, I don't really know. Um, But just... Going through the year, there are about five, seven different um, holidays that I found out about. I, w- I want to say something real quick. Um, I, <laughs> I asked our friend, Vladimir Severinovsky, 
who is a Russian journalist for National Geographic and others, and uh, someone that we've we've talked with on our podcast, and asked him what he suggested if he had any resources, and he right. said, "Yeah, my book." <laughs> <laughs> read my read my book. Read my book. It's the best in resource. Russian. It is in Russian. They don't have an ebook version yet, but it is all about. It's like the most current travels and um, wow. journalism on living Dagestani traditions, and so he talks about a lot of these. Um, so um, I'll just cool. start at the beginning. The first one, and this is one of the most fascinating to me, is called Igby. Igby. Okay. I G B Y. It is a wintertime holiday that happens in the in this uh, February, okay. um, and it is unique to the town of um, Shaitli, which is in the the Didoy region, or uh, it says as they call themselves, which um, is way up there deep, way uh, in deep the in in the southwest Dagestan, yeah. and. This is a, a holiday in which they're basically saying goodbye to winter, like wishing winter away. Um, one source called it a worship of the sun. Residents gather in the villages and animals descend out of the mountains and do all of these tricks and gags and um, huh. kind of trick-or-treat kind of things. Now, these are... Grown-ups in elaborate ho- uh, costumes made out of bark, made out of fur, moss. Yeah. Um, and there is, so on the surface, they're animals or creatures, but they kind of represent evil spirits or outside things or dangerous things gotcha. <laughs> that that then you kind of spar with or, you know, you act out against with, and, and they, they sort of run run amok through the village. They can do anything they want, um, be really rude, break stuff, and, and, then, and then they're sent out uh, away. Huh. Um, and so, but they lead a pack of children through the village, and they come to your house. And I think it's a trick-or-treat thing where they knock on the door, and you have to have a special bread, which is basically like a pretzel. Hmm. It's a round, it's a round bagel shaped piece of bread that is, is actually called an ig. So igby comes from the name for this bread. So people bake a bunch of these the day before. And when they come to their door, they have to give these kids a bunch of bread and candy or else. And so the children with the animals have a big pole and they string all these rings of bread on this pole and they have this kind of carry it through town. Um, huh. I'm not sure what else goes on there, but it's pretty crazy. I will say wow. this really interesting fact that I found. Remember how I said that these animals sort of represent dangerous influences? Well, right. a recent iteration had in that group bear, wolf, Evil spirit huh. and tourist. Oh my! <laughs> so one of these, one of these wow. um, invasive characters was a person with a camera around its neck and dressed funny, <laughs> and it was like, you know, it gave you the. 
I like I didn't get a real backstory on this, but it doesn't take a ton of imagination. Like these are the outside forces that we have, have to kick out. My uh my my tour business is having an existential moment right now. <laughs> Andrew, there's either a crisis here or an opportunity, right? Press in, press lean in. in, find the silver lining. So. You don't need to dress up like tourists. We'll bring real live tourists to you and then you can beat them or whatever you do. Um, and I just want to say, I'm not really an anthropologist, but I've read anthropology and this idea of holidays giving an opportunity to vent or express or kind of act out fears and anxieties that a, that a community holds is a very common Huh. Or desires that is a very common kind of pattern. So it's very telling to see who are your bad guys, who is your boogeyman, yeah. you know, gotcha. who are you dressed up as? Um, obviously, bears, wolves, you know, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! But then to see what else there is, spirits. Okay, so that tells you about you know a, a, a spiritual engagement or um, right. appreciation for a spiritual realm that is meaningful or relevant to people <laughs> and then yeah. sort of the outside realm. I just thought that was priceless. Yeah. It's interesting hearing about the animal masks because I've seen that, uh, in, uh, among the Circassian people, Circassian, uh, specifically Kabardians and some of the kind of traditional observances or, uh, rituals mainly that I've seen, um, like musicians doing, um, and, it, it's a reminder that um, before some of these monotheistic religions came into the region, whether whether it be Christianity or Islam, uh, these were all uh, pagan societies, and they would all say that. Um, and sure. so you see kind of the – I think this is in some ways kind of remnants of that. Um, yeah, still observed. Well, and the, I think it's a pretty uh, historically robust fact that – one of the things that some of the monotheistic religions offered to animistic or we would call pagan traditional religious peoples was uh, an overcoming of the fear of spirits. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, 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 you just tap a little bit into anthropological literature and negotiating and dealing with spirits takes up a lot of time in the average person's day in one of these societies, wow. you know, it was a, yeah. it was a very present reality. How are we going to deal with evil spirits? How are we going to get good spirit and so on and so forth. And so to have a religious huh. system that came in and gave a sense of either overcoming or freedom or power over those things was a very, a very real thing. And so you have these big monotheistic religions that sort of, uh, I think, I think create that and bring, bring people under its identity very strongly. Gotcha. Huh. Um, I want to just mention that there is a famous museum in St. Petersburg, an anthropology museum called the Kunstkamera, huh. that has um, some Igby costumes on display. You can also find um, videos wow. on YouTube of Igby, like whole day Igby stuff. It's really fascinating. But these are cool. You, I'll put a link in the show notes. They've they're they're creepy, frankly. <laughs> I'll just say to me, they're creepy. <laughs> Um, but they, you know, they're these big shaggy, pointy kind of cone-headed masks and costumes with fabric on them wow. and horns and stuff. Um, 
So pretty interesting to see, to see, okay. uh, yeah, the yeah. holiday. So a few others, I had not seen these attested to elsewhere, so I can't really vouch for these. Um, well, the second one I can vouch for, and this is the, the festival of the first furrow. Okay. Um, so not surprisingly, so this is in March, which is when the first seeds are sown for the agricultural year. Um, and there's gotcha. a big kind of spring festival. Um, I don't know a lot about this, and there are probably a lot of variants, but I've seen many pictures of people dressed up in traditional clothing. They get the cow out. They get the plow, you know, and people aren't really yeah. plowing. Right. You know, a lot of people are, are doing it other ways, like, you know, tractors. But uh, so, but they do, you know, the first furrow in the traditional way, and usually there's bunches of of leaves or different things that they do, and there's food involved, and they do weird stuff too. Like I saw people just like egging a cow, just throwing food at this cow, and <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to research there. That's a big one. Um, another oh. one that I heard about is May first, or like, uh, and it's called the Water Festival in Dagestan. Okay. So this is supposedly counted from the vernal equinox, which would be the spring, the spring equinox of March twenty first, the okay. the you know geographical beginning of spring. According to someone, ancient belief: if you wash your face on the fortieth day of spring with water from a spring, you will become beautiful. Huh. So. And this makes me wonder about, again, other symbols I've seen. Supposedly at the dawn of this day, women in traditional clothing, especially gold-embroidered white shawls, which you've probably seen a lot of in pictures, will leave their village with the traditional um, Mm. copper um, urn on their back and one on the front and go down to this spring. They'll draw water. They'll dance. And then they'll come back, and it's also, kind of like you said, Andrew, a day of courtship because the women are huh. demonstrating their ability to work and to have fun, to celebrate. And gotcha. so then they are allowed to be approached by young men who, while they're dancing, like in, a, in the square, who will tap them on the shoulder with a stick because there's no touching. And then they can dance together in public and he'll do his fiery lesginka, and she'll be, you know, um, modest and graceful like a swan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's a time for uh, sort of uh, expression of those things, or maybe, and maybe sort of now we're officially dating. Usually they've gotten to know each other somehow or, you know, seen each other before. It's not like this first time right. they've met. Um, so one website has this funny sentence. The gun cannonade accompanying the holiday is also understandable. <laughs> but Ah uh, yes, the cannonade. The cannonade. So all the guns going off, but that is an pagan custom to drive away evil spirits. Huh. Gotcha. So that's the water festival. So I don't know how many people for whom this you know, they register this, but you see videos all the time on Instagram of people enacting this ceremonial water right. gathering and all this. When I all think right. even uh, from what I've heard, there are even certain villages that really are kind of the, the guardians of the, ah. the holidays. I think I've specifically heard about Kubachi and yes. Bokhar as yes. two villages that really preserve kind of the strength of those holidays. And 
maybe even are like the epicenter of them in all of Dagestan. I don't know, but probably every region honestly has a place like that where those things are observed. But yes, Kubachi, I think, is a traditional center of this. Um, okay, three more, real quick. Um, sometime in late May, there's the Tsukver Suvar I read about, the flower festival in Dagestan. And okay. I think it's sort of just a traditional time to go not just gather flowers, but edible herbs, which is a huge thing. So this is mm-hmm. uh, attributed to southern Dagestan, Lesgi, because um, flowers are in bloom. And if you've ever had mountain tea in Russia, you know that it's got a lot of full-on flowers in it. So you yeah. got to get them while they're blooming. That's true. Um, and then there's celebrations and sort of, you know, horse racing and rock throwing and wrestling and stuff. Um, I heard, I read about cherry day in Dagestan. I've never seen hide nor hair of this. And I don't know if this huh. is, again is Southern Dagestan, Lesgi, Tabasaran. So anyone out there who knows about this can, can say, but it's mid June. June 10th to 20, 25th. Um, it was a time to pick ripe berries, cherries. I mean, it's cherry season. It really huh. makes sense when you, you know, when you understand an agricultural rhythm and when it's time to harvest, like you got to do it or yeah, you lose yeah. the harvest. And so everyone's got to get together. Well, when everyone gets together, you don't only need porta potties, you need food and you have children and you have old people. And so you have, it is sort of automatically a festival. And so then you have competitions, you know, like I think that that's, it kind of kind of makes sense to see all that come together. Um, Yeah. And and I had multiple people have mentioned to me from Dagestan that basically the further South you go, uh, it it sounds like central Dagestan, uh, maybe they're more religiously observant. Yeah, and it sounds like the more south you go, you run into more and more of these traditional holidays. Right, where maybe as a whole in society they're not as religiously observant. They might say something different. You know, probably every person would say something different, but I do think that manifests itself in seeing more of that in the south. Yeah, sure. And of course, modern life, contemporary life is disrupting traditional rhythms and so these things may not happen as spontaneously they more may happen more as an event like we're going to go reenact in a sense these things so i think that contributes um last one i would love to hear about this if anyone knows about this but it's the rite of calling down rain pishapai mm-hmm. and that sounds full-on religious and pagan um and Villagers climb to the top of mountains. There are certain holy mountains uh, in Dagestan, um, but particularly when there's been a drought or absence of rain, and it's, again, this is a lesgi word, and then at the end they celebrate with with eating pies of basically piragi, cheese, and meat. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stands out to me about this, these regional ones especially, uh, for the most part, outside of Dagestan and the North Caucasus, the other republics are um, they're pretty mono-ethnic, uh, like mainly Chechens and Chechnya, mainly Ingush and Ingushetia. Mm-hmm. Kabardino-Balkaria has two primary ethnicities, Kabardians and Balkars. Um, Karachay, Cherkessia, primarily Cherkess and uh, Karachais. But so uh, there, there's a lot less of these the variety of the holidays. But when you get to Dagestan, there are so many nationalities 
that's where it like it's its own kind of world. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So that is definitely a unique thing. I'm. I mean, it's interesting to me, even to this day, these would be what I'd call some of the more historic holidays or traditional in Russia, but you see similarities uh, that are still celebrated today in Russia. The two I'm thinking about are... Maslenitsa. Uh, Maslenitsa is a big one, which is kind of back to... It's a the oldest Slavic holiday. It's it's the last week before Lent starts, kind of celebrating the end of winter. Um, but that has, you know, different kind of pagan historic things that people observe. That's a big one. That's a week long, which mainly people associated with blini pancakes. Um, but right. there's a lot happening. And then old new year, Stari Novi Gold, January 14th. Uh, people, I still remember our first year in Russia, got a knock on our door on old new year, open it. And it's these two guys, my age in their thirties. And, uh, they had clearly been drinking a little bit <laughs> and they, they basically recited some poem that rhymed in Russian having to do with old new year. And then just stood there. They had tossed rice at my doorstep and then just <laughs> stood there looking at me expectantly. And at that point, my, my Russian was like, you know, average at best. And, I I said something along the lines in broken Russian of, oh, am I supposed to give you something? <laughs> right. And that, at that point, they were they were like a little tipsy and very confused. And uh, I ended up I was thinking like I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to give them candy or something. So I did. But <laughs> yes, that is so funny. I mean, you learn pretty quick in Russia. Like you keep candy by the door and, and small change by the door. That happened to us all the time. Like, dum dum dum, dum open the door and some kid's like tap dancing. It was not tap dancing, but like doing something and you're like, oh, and just uh, quick, get the candy. And then, you know, there's a definite expectation. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, I think one category of, I wouldn't call them holidays, but uh, observances. R- days of, yeah, observance or remembrance that we have to touch on our um, different nationalities that uh, historically were all deported from the region. There are at least five that acknowledge that every year, and it is a huge deal to them. And just, we won't get into all the details or the dates, but uh, the Chechens, Ingush, uh, Bolkars, Karachais, and then Circassians or Kabardians, Cherkess. Um, at different points in history in the last Two two centuries, those nations were deported from the region, yeah, uh, in, in mass, and so, you know, for obvious reasons, that is a symbolic day for them of remembrance, um, and really observed in the regions, um, yeah. So, are there any you th- we missed, or you want to throw out there that we didn't touch on? Do you have any good stories? I have one final story I want to share. Um, I don't have a good story off the top of my head. I think I would say that if anyone happens to be anywhere that there are people who celebrate different holidays than you, which is probably most people, to adopt an attitude of a learner and a researcher, but really a learner and a friend, go invite yourself over. Like, go ask questions. Maybe not invite yourself over yet, but like... 
that's where we got invited to, like our first iftar, which is the meal, the daily meal, breaking the fast in Ramadan. I I was met a uh, Azerbaijani guy and in Pythagoras, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're doing if He said, we're doing iftar. I was like, ah, oh, I've never been to one. And of course, I wasn't fishing, but he invited us over. <laughs> it's an amazing way to get into um, another person's kind of life, heart, mind, and culture. Right. And a really fun way. So I would say, go try, make it, make a goal this year of experiencing a new holiday, you know, before yeah, the end I of think the year. You're right. It, uh, with how polarizing, especially in the West, the topic of religion can be, uh, I think people feel like maybe they need to tiptoe around other people's religious holidays or just don't even talk about them. But our our experience in the Caucasus has been people are always well-wishing. Um, even people of other religion or faiths, it's they understand it's a time of celebration for you. And so they wish you the best, you know, and yeah. they're often happy to welcome you. Yeah, that's a good, the, my story connects with this. This is funny. You brought yeah. that up, Eli. So, uh, I, it was my first or second year, uh, we were there in, uh, the Caucasus and I had a good, uh, good ball car friend and, uh, it was, uh, Korban Bayram, which I didn't really know much about at that point. And he kind of told me what it means, but, uh, I told him, uh, well, definitely send my congratulations to your father and uh, tell him I'd love a piece of that um, that lamb meat that you guys are going to slaughter. <laughs> so kind of a brazen request. And, uh, and I kind of said it like jokingly, you know. Well, we all but... know how well jokes fly across <laughs> cultures. <laughs> well, uh, a week later my ball car friend was in town and he brought me a piece of lamb meat for our family. Oh, And I was like, I was like, Oh my goodness. Uh, thank you so much. I really wasn't expecting that. And he was like, well, um, when I told my dad, you said that he looked at me with this weird look and said, Andrew, or he said, uh, son, Andrew's a Baptist. Why would we give him that this meat? <laughs> Which is not true. We're not Baptists, you know? <laughs> but like in his mind, we're like, oh, American foreigners, he must be a Baptist. There's two kinds um, of people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we had such a good laugh about that. But I, I realized at that point, like, yeah, I probably, I'm not going to make that request again. That, that's not who you, they usually give the meat to. <laughs> but he handled it in typical kind of uh, classy Caucasus style, yeah. hus- hospitably, graciously, uh, and sent us some lamb meat. <laughs> so. Hey, just take it. Just say thank you. That's right. That's right. So I will just say, in conclusion, this can be part of your visit to a place in general, but to the Caucasus in particular. And not only through Andrew, but I have other friends in tourism, Andrew and I both do. And they have requests, you know, for people who want to experience local holidays. You can build you can build a visit around some of these important festivals. And we would yeah. love to help facilitate that any way we can. Um, you should definitely, definitely consider it. Yeah, that's great. Um, we know, especially for our local listeners out there, we know we didn't, cover all the holidays. Um, and so, um, thanks for your, your graciousness, like my ball car friend's father, uh, 
That's for right. those those we didn't cover. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you learned something today. And hope um, you appreciate your own holidays even more. Contact us po- podcast at caucustalk.com. Andrew is faithfully curating our Facebook page. Interesting posts there all the time. If you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caucus talk. And there's a link right there to sign up for our newsletter, which comes out just quarterly. And it's kind of a, a, a couple news items and some of our recent releases. It's a good way to keep up with us if you aren't able to or willing to listen to every episode. (laughs) Um, And of course, we have a a Patreon page. We are so grateful for our Patreon supporters who keep us afloat. So you can check us out there at patreon.com slash caucus talk. And that's it. We can say this with full confidence now. We'll see you when you get here, U.S. listeners, because the borders are open. (laughs) 